welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the mindful Matt. Howdy, everyone. Oh, where's that come from? Special howdy this week. What in 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 uh, what what uh, what has prompted this? Uh, well, this occasion. I don't know if you know, David, but howdy is American mm-hmm. for hello. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah. So o- over there, whatever language it is they speak, howdy means hello, and this week. America overtook Britain as the country that listens to our pod most. Right. So we're, wow. we're rebranding as American. We're an American podcast now, are we? Yeah. I'm going to wear a cowboy yes. hat and drink awful beer. I chose the wrong moment to, to, to take a drink of tea then. Uh, <laughs> what can I do that's American? I What could I do... To, you know, there's got to be something I can do to pass myself off as American. Because uh, I'm in no way a stereotypically British man. <laughs> David, you could overpay for healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> got him. Uh, got, him. got him. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, but anyway, thank you to all our American listeners. We do appreciate. <laughs> um, we do appreciate you tuning in. That's weird, isn't it? I mean, I guess it's a bigger country. I'll tell you what's even weirder. Mm-hmm. We, we seem to have one persistent listener from Rio de Janeiro. Every week, just one listen in Brazil. That's really cool. Um, I know I know who fandom is on the rise in Brazil. Um, there was a nice little feature about it in an episode of um, Reality Bomb about six months ago. Okay. Um, Any reason? Uh, I think... Access is the thing. I think it was added to some streaming service or something they've got over there, like a dubbed version. And they've just gone uh, mad for it. Yeah. I, I could be misremembering that as well, um, so don't quote me on that. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, Matt, a um, couple of things to, uh, to to address. One, we are talking about the brain of Morbius this week. Oh, yes. It's another classic Who um, situation. Mm. So, very nervous about that. Um Probably didn't make the right choice. You'll probably have hated it, but uh, hopefully we'll have an interesting discussion about that later on. Anyway, um, and the other, perhaps more important thing that any normal human being would have started a conversation with: How's your week been, Matt? Uh, yeah, not that bad. Back at work. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned on pod. Like mm-hmm. I'm starting at a whole new school, so it's the same school. Basically, our old buildings weren't fit for purpose, so they've mm-hmm. they've moved the whole school across town. Oh, that must be a very strange experience for you. Yeah, it, it's a bit weird. Mm. It's just been everyone sort of walking around, not really knowing what to do. <laughs> or where anything is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, not not that bad a week, in fairness. Can't really complain. good though. Ah, what about I've got, yourself? Uh, yeah, well, I've got uh, four days left on my old job. Are you going to do anything cruel on your way out? Just middle finger everyone? No, because that that would be especially cruel. You know, given that uh, everyone has had more than a year of utter hell in my job, 
Um, I feel like everyone's suffered enough. They don't need me adding insult to injury. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it's going to be weird. Mm. going to be a weird one. I know, you, you're going to be like about happy job. again. I don't know about that. Let's not go too far. If I could, if I could be, if I could start my days not waking up feeling so stressed that I might actually be physically sick, mm-hmm. I'll count that as a win. In all honesty, yeah. <laughs> uh, isn't being a grown-up fun? Yeah. Um, let's talk about food, Matt. I want. I, I need. Yeah. Let's let's start things right. Um, We've, we're recording in the evening again this week. It's another yeah. night of the time, all the spates, nights edition. Yeah, but uh, it's these Sunday. These might become a bit more regular. It's Sunday. Sunday yeah. is like the worst mm. night of the week because everyone's dreading going back to work. Yeah. it's it, uh, Sunday for me is just... has been forever polluted because of the likes of um, Antiques Roadshow, Songs of Praise, Last of the Summer Wine. Doctor Who... <laughs> Traditionally, a Saturday evening show. It's only uh, though the, the the era we're about to start the the Jodie Whittaker era. They did move it to Sundays. That was a conscious choice they made. Oh wow! And not an uncontroversial one. Right, I'm sure we'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, before we get there, um, what's what's your what's your meal situation been like uh, today, and indeed this week in general? Um, so. Breakfast was coffee and a Tunnock's caramel wafer. Oh, strong start there. Lunch was super noodles, mm-hmm. chicken. Yeah. And for tea, I've just had some lovely mince and dumplings. Oh, that's a very Sunday tea, isn't it? Yeah. It was one of those where I assumed my wife was going to cook tea, and she assumed mm-hmm. I was cooking tea, and then... Turns it out, a bit of a stand-up. turns out I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just cooked it all up there. Fair enough. What about you? Um, well, oh, I'm trying to cast my mind back to this morning. Um, this morning I had um, uh, some veggie sausages in a in a pitta. Okay. So sort of ersatz sausage sandwich affair which was a pretty strong start to the day. Uh, didn't really d- bother with lunch. Had like a handful of raisins. We were sort of out and about um, enjoying uh, making the most of the sunshine. Um, and before we'd headed out, we'd made some pizza dough. Nice. Uh, so when we got back, uh, sort of late afternoon, whipped up some lovely pizzas. Ooh. Which was um, talk to me about toppings. So, I favour something that uh, there's a local local pizza takeaway place um, to us that does what I I think they have basically nailed vegetarian pizza toppings. Okay, because it's very easy to go wrong with a vegetarian pizza. You might see things like spinach and ricotta, which is heavy and a bit bitter and nobody needs that um or you get the ones that's like 
Mediterranean roasted vegetables, and it's just like big, big lumps of slimy pepper and aubergine, and yeah. it's not good. Um, but the, this local pizza place does what they call a vegetarian special, right. which is finely diced green pepper, red onion, sweet corn, mushrooms, and pineapple. Tell you what, you replace that pineapple for a lovely bit of pepperoni, you've got a good pizza on your hands. <laughs> but it, I, I, I genuinely think it is the best like pizza topping with vegetables that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I'm making pizza at home, that's what I tend to emulate. So would that pizza then be your meal of the week? You'd think it would be, wouldn't you? It was very nice. But I'm going to be honest with you, Matt. My meal of the week is the chocolate bar that I wolfed down five minutes before hitting record. Okay, talk to me. Um, so this, as far as I know, I can only get in... Uh, uh, I've only seen in Aldi. Yep. I don't know if you can get it anywhere else. Have you heard of the Nopper's Nut Bar? Uh, I haven't. I can't, can't claim <laughs> to be you know, familiar with them. So it's spelt with a silent K. Okay. I don't, I, I'm assuming it's German. Knoppers. Um, how to describe it? I'll read you the official description on the packet, right? And uh, then we can break it down if you like. So, milk chocolate with layers of wafer, smooth caramel, milk cream, uh, soft nougat, and chopped hazelnuts. There's a lot going on yeah. with this chocolate bar. It's kind of like... If a Milky Way, a Snickers, and uh, a Kit Kat had a baby. Ooh. How similar is it to peanut butter Kit Kat? A world apart. Really? Yeah. Because it's hazelnuts for one thing. And you've got this, yeah, you've got this very light wafer, but there's there's a chewy caramel and a soft nougat thing going on. It's I'd say it's more like a double-decker, but with nuts. I think that'd be too much for me. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, but it is really nice. Do you, do you know what I've really taken to recently? What's that? Just a Twix. I've always loved a Twix, but I, mm. I think you can overdo it with chocolate bars. Like, I, I used to be a bit of a fan of a Boost, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, I, I just want a little bit of biscuit, a little bit of caramel. Do you tend to scrape the caramel off with your teeth? Uh, no, because I'm not an absolute lunatic. <laughs> You've never done that. You've never taken a trick to just sort of like just gnawed off the caramel layer. Yeah, that, I mean, I probably did when I was younger, but I don't know. My mum will have threatened I... to put me in a home or something for that sort of behaviour. <laughs> I can't help myself around a Twix. That's what I, what I end up doing. I mean, it definitely makes it a worse experience overall, but I can't help but do it anyway. Um, what yeah, what you not, want is, you Twixes. want like a, a nice pig's ear from the pet shop. Just <laughs> something to really get your teeth into. I'm going to get, get you a hide bone it. next time I'm <laughs> at the pet shop. Um... Alrighty then. Uh, so tell tell me then, Matt. We've we discussed what you've eaten today. What was your meal of the week? Well, I, I've been out with my friend Caroline again this week. 
mm-hmm. Caroline of uh, Cigargate fame. <laughs> yes. So there, there are a few stories that might crop up throughout mm-hmm. the course of today's recording. But the pub we went to served... Let me just get this up. I took a picture so I can read exactly what it was. It's called T-Bone Madness. Right. Okay. A 16-ounce salted, dry-aged beef T-bone mm-hmm. with a 12-ounce pork T-bone. <laughs> okay, yeah. With a lamb cutlet and all right. the trimmings. Yeesh. So you're looking at over 30 ounces of meat there. That's horrific. Yeah. Now, Surely nobody wants that. Well, sadly, I didn't see anyone in the pub order it. It was on the specials board. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, man. Like, I don't think, after not seeing my friend for so long, I could reintroduce myself to her by just eating, like, a small baby's worth of meat. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I didn't have the... Uh, the T-Bone Madness. Right. I, I went for the Chicken Parmo. And right. I, I don't know if we've ever discussed them on pod, because they're a very much northeast meal, aren't they? I guess so, yeah. Uh, do, do feel free to break down the, the concept for our listeners. Okay, so you take a chicken breast, then you hammer it flat with the heel of your boot, <laughs> uh, roll it in breadcrumbs, deep fry it till it's inedible... Uh, cover it in bechamel sauce and cheese, and then stick it in the grill until it resembles roadkill. But they're so good. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Like, that that's how they do them in the takeaway, because it, it's very much like a Saturday night food. But mm-hmm. they've gone a bit gourmet. You can get them in restaurants. So I had a proper one, and I had it topped with chorizos and jalapenos. And it was just lovely. Mm, very fancy. Yeah. yeah. So good. Well, um, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm assuming that's, that's still not, not meal of the year. No, no. Um, unfortunately, the, the lady that baked the cake that was my meal of the year has been really unwell. She's been in hospital with COVID this week. So, oh. fingers crossed, hope she gets better soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wonder will it will it rain supreme right until uh, last week of the year? Oh, well, we've got some big events coming up. So it's like mm. my wife's birthday this month. It's my birthday yeah. next month. You know, but bonfire night. Yeah, the most important day of the year. Ev- everyone knows I love a hog roast sandwich and a toffee apple. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So. We we shall see. Yeah. But importantly, David, there is an important date coming up. Yes. Because as we record right now, it is Sunday the 5th of September. Does that right. date mean anything to you? No, because I'm terrible with dates. I'm assuming... Is it, is it our... Is it our three-year podiversary? No. No, that will no. be... Basically, the episode we record next week, Jodie Whittaker... That will be episode 150 and three-year birthday. Oh, crikey. No pressure on that one, then. Uh, no, but that, that wasn't so what I was looking at. Okay, what, what were you thinking about? Well, I, 
the, actually, the date, 5th of September, should mean nothing to you. It's absolutely inconsequential in the story. Oh, good. good. But I had a look, and we are only four episodes away from the return of the Wheelie Big Quiz. <laughs> oh, I'm dreading it. We're going to go big this year. Are we? Let, let me just pull this up. Because I think we've made something like £340 last year. Yeah, which is bonkers. Yeah, so last year we raised £323. Our target was £240, £20 a week. So mm -hmm. I'm aiming this year for £360. Let's go £30 a week. Right, okay. Let's go big. Let's do it. And I also, just as a little tease, mm -hmm. have something special lined up for the Wheelie Big Quiz this year. Ooh. Of which I, I am completely in the dark about. So. Uh, sh should we do a little test run? Uh, uh, sure, if that's what you want to do. Okay, so David, I want you to imagine we've done the Wheelie Big Quiz and mm -hmm. let's say for argument's sake... You got four questions right. Okay. Yeah. That would. That, that was about my average, I think. That would earn you. I mean, we're talking like like everybody knows what the Wheelie Big Quiz is, but you, go back and listen. So that would earn yeah. that would yeah. earn you four pounds for the week. Okay. Right. Yeah. Now, in a bid to raise as much money as possible, I'm going to give you the opportunity to gamble that four pounds if you wish. But <laughs> it's a bit like bullseye. Right. Okay, are you going to gamble? I mean, for our argument's sake, yes. Let's see what would happen if I gambled. Okay, so from random, David, I've picked one of my books of notes from the pod. And, right. And I've picked book two. Okay, I'm going to flick through and stop at an episode on random. Okay. Right. So, because you got four questions right, that allows yeah. me to read four lines of my notes to you. If you guess oh, the episode okay. correctly, you win the full £10 for the week. Oh, I like this idea, Matt. I like this idea. Okay. So, it could be one week you only get one line, but you could gamble and it could get you £10. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Line one. The Doctor Sonic Screwdrivers Martha's Phone. Okay, right. So that, that narrows it down. We're talking series three. Or are we, though? She pops up a bit in series four. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Like Rose's phone, this has universal roaming. Mm-hmm. There's some TARDIS turbulence nonsense... And a distress signal. That's not narrowing it down as much as it should. Okay. okay. I need the last line. They are accosted by a spaceship crew. Their engine died four minutes ago. I'm going to say 42. David, you have won £10 for the week. Uh, I'm never going to nail it on the actual uh, thing now, am I? No. Even though that was a test run... That still felt good for me. See, <laughs> do we need to talk about what the Wheelie Big Quiz actually is? 
No, Matt, let's not address it. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, if anyone is listening to this, they don't know, just pop back a year in Ma- the uh, Long in the story archives. short. Long story short. Okay. All right, all right, Matt, go for it. So, I, I would say it's an annual tradition, but this is only the second year we've done it. Uh, we're going to choose a charity. Um, yeah. I think, did we agree whoever wins Would I Lie to You picks the charity? I can't remember, maybe. Uh, maybe. It doesn't matter. We'll agree on a charity between us. We will. Uh, we every will. week we're going to do a little quiz. Six questions based on um, Trivial Pursuit. Okay, mm-hmm. everyone David gets right is worth £1. If he gets all six, I'll raise the prize money for the week to £10. Okay, yep. we'll make a, I'll make a Just Giving page. People can donate. Our goal last year, like I say, was basically for listeners to double our money. So if David put £10 in for them to add £10, and we smashed that total. Okay, so now we're going to go a little bit further this year. And let's be honest, the, the listener numbers have crept up, David, so we, we should make a little bit more. Oh, fingers crossed. Okay, so it's just our little, like, Christmassy event, isn't it? Starts in October. It is, it's something to do. Yeah. And then, after that, when we finished uh, the Wheelie Big Quiz, and we finished Would I Lie to Who, we always have an awkward drop-off period where we try different things that never work. <laughs> You know, we'll probably do one of those choose your own adventure books again. Yes, I think I think they are, they are regularly the least popular segment <laughs> of the show, and and that's including with the hosts. But yeah. we still persevere and do them anyway. In fact, when this on the day this episode goes out, okay, if you're listening to this, just send us a tweet with a thumbs down emoji and the worst bit of the pod we've ever done. Like, what is your least <laughs> favorite thing? Because people oh. might absolutely yet hate like meal of the week, and we've never asked, we've never done any <laughs> listener feedback. It's just absolute self indulgence. If you're gathering that data, keep it to yourself, Matt, because I I don't want to know. I don't. I I I have too fragile an ego. Um, I'd love to know. Like like last week when we played that uh, poo song. We haven't had any feedback from Jessica Wong. She's probably so offended, David. Like, I, I listened to that back about 12 times, toying with the idea of cutting that bit out. <laughs> I still haven't heard it. I really need to listen to your edit from last week. I'm very intrigued to hear that in context. Yeah. Um, who, who knows? I'd love to know what the, the worst bit is. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to say all of it, aren't they? Some some clever wag. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, right. to be honest, that's what that would be my response. But anyway, <laughs> um, speaking of of uh, of our, our our many tortured segments, shall we <laughs> give would I like to who a go? Yeah, why not? It's my turn this week. Yeah, and um. In honour of doing uh, the brain of Morbius, Matt, I've got a bit of a mind-bender for you this week. Okay. Mm. So, my question to you is this. When did I decide to ask this exact question for this week's Would I Lie To Who? (laughs) Is it A, 
shortly after we recorded last week's episode. B, three days ago when I was on the bus. Or C, literally about two minutes before we hit record this evening. Oh, they're all... They're all very plausible. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think... I think if I do do some listener feedback, I'll get a response from you saying, would I lie to who is your least favourite <laughs> part of the pod? It's the one that you... It's the one you seem to resent preparing for, but... It, the only trouble I have with it, Matt, is that you come up with... You, you have all these amazing stories because you socialise with other people and um, you're a naturally gregarious person. Whereas I sort of replay the last sort of week of my life and I'm like... Literally nothing interesting has happened to me. So then I'm scrabbling around in the dirt, trying to think of anything I can find uh, to to use as a, as a as a jumping on point. But anyway, um, what do you want me to read the uh, the options again? Or are you... no, like I hmm. part of me is leaning towards you sitting on the bus feeling really clever about this <laughs> you know like oh, can you imagine my expression yeah like the cat that got the cream like <laughs> oh we're doing brain of morbius best do a brain teaser and then just <laughs> sitting oh smiling away yeah oh this will be quite delicious <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, i can't believe we haven't done any tom baker impressions this week um <laughs> that, that'll happen it's between that and just before the pod. Um, I, I don't think you'll have thought of it last week. I, I, if you put as much preparation into this as I do, you won't have done it last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to stick with on the bus. Right, okay. On the bus. It's a, so- it, now the, it's a solid... The current choice. score, I believe, is 13 all. Mm. For would I lie to who? Right, well, Matt, it is my uh, solemn duty to, to inform you that it's now 14 13 to me. Uh, the correct answer was literally a couple of minutes before we hit record this uh, evening. I should have gone with my head, not my heart. It was the, it was a flash of inspiration I got whilst uh, in, in, enjoying my Nopper's Nut Bar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would love to get them as a sponsor. If anyone from Noppers is listening, yeah, I, genuinely, I, I know, I, I, I know. There's nothing better than coming home, sitting down, and enjoying ooh, a lovely Noppers nut bar. <laughs> should we? Should we just? I'm just gonna Google it so I can have a look. There, there's so many layers, David. <laughs> I know. That's like bloody sedimentary rock diagrams. It's basically the chocolate equivalent of my taste in music. Right. Just too much going on. It's made by Stork, uh, which I assume is a foreign company. Let's just get them Mm -hmm. on Twitter. Stork with a C and a K. Yeah. So that's why I think it's pronounced Stork. (laughs) Oh, it's the same company that make Tafifi. What's Tafifi? Or Toffifi? Is that how it's pronounced? Ah, okay. Yeah, no, I've seen it. Those little cups of toffee that have a nut in them. They seem to specialise in hazelnuts. Mm. Hmm. 
Right, they're not on Twitter, but I, I'll put an email out. And, you know, hopefully next week you'll be listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. Brought to you by Moffa's Nuts. <laughs> Excellent. Um, right then. Uh, what else do we need to discuss? Have you got a TV highlight from this week, Matt? Uh, yes and no. Right. Okay, because you know how TV highlight of the week is all-encompassing of all entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two nominations this week, neither a TV show. Okay, great. Okay, so yesterday I went to go see Shang-Chi, the latest Marvel film. Mm-hmm. I is it good? I really liked it. I can see Shang-Chi becoming a lot of young boys' favourite new Avenger. Right. It, it's... It's... It's a, not a Marvel film until the post-credit scene, I would say. But, really? But it is a very, very enjoyable romp. Mm. I, I'm looking forward to... I, I, I need to catch up at some point on uh, MCU stuff. I, I'm still halfway through Loki. Mm-hmm. I'm a good week behind on What If. I've not seen Black Widow yet because I didn't manage to get out to the cinema to see that one. Um, I'm probably not going to have the opportunity to see Shang-Chi either. Mm. So I'm really hoping they just just, uh, dump it all on on Disney+. I'm pretty certain. Fairly soon. I'm pretty certain Shang-Chi, it's like 45 days, then it's on Disney+. Oh, Oh, did I? I might have dreamt that. Shrug. I know current, last time I checked a few weeks ago, Black Widow, you still got to cough up the extra for. Mm. Which... um, you know, twenty quid if you've got a whole whole room full of people sitting down to watch it is nothing. Uh, twenty quid if it's just you on your own, whilst your partner's in the bath complaining that the TV's on too loud is is a different matter, isn't it? So um, I've not ponied up for it yet. And of course, when I was watching Shang Chi, shoes were off the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as is tradition. Still, still an outrageous social transgression. Which I'm astonished you've gone this far in your life uh, thinking is acceptable. Um, but my, my other nomination, I want to nominate yep. a podcast this week. Great, go for it. Okay, so it's one we've talked about before, and it is, a, mm-hmm. it is one of the big boys. But this week's right. episode of the Off Menu podcast is uh-huh. probably the best I think they've ever done. Uh, who was the guest? Ainsley Harriet. Oh, okay. And and again, I think that's a a really British institution. I don't know if people Mm -hmm. overseas will know Ainsley. Okay. Imagine an eight foot tall Jamaican man who Mm -hmm. cooks and that's it. Yeah. But he... But that's not quite it because he has the demeanour of a children's television presenter. Yeah. Like, I think in our generation, absolutely love him. I think in modern times he's become a bit of a meme. He has, and that was going to be my question to you, Matt. Is to what extent does he seem aware of his meme status? Oh, they they address the it. So, for example, right. there's a video where he's cooking for an old lady at home, who mm-hmm. seems absolutely terrified that he just comes in, just like a "Good morning, ladies and gentlemen," and like, <laughs> like so he just goes, "Yeah, I felt so bad for that," um, but he, he's brilliant because. 
he does a little bit of swearing that I didn't think mm-hmm. I'd sit here from Ainsley, but he mm-hmm. he totally gets it. He's entirely self aware. Um, cool. So like he he knows that like his resurgence in popularity is quite ironic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he, well, at the end of the day, if if it's uh, earning him a, him a bit of cash, he's yeah. not going to complain about but it. But now he he's so funny, so funny. Ooh. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. I, I might have to check that one out. I, t- I dip in and out of off menu at the moment, but uh, that's probably one I will have to check out at some point. Um, my TV highlight of the week is also not a uh, TV series. Um, I've been catching up on uh, Rivers of London, which is an excellent series of novels and also graphic novels and i'm more or less up to date with the novels but i hadn't caught up on all of the uh graphic novels so i've been just plowing through those in the last month and it's great cool it's basically it's uh magic cops don't really need to say much more than that it's what it is it's uh imagine british policemen but also they're wizards if that sounds appealing to you you will love that series if that sounds like a very silly idea, you probably won't enjoy it. Cool. Yep. So, sorry, uh, I, I was just thinking about a delicious Nopper's nut bar. <laughs> my mind, my mind wandered. You should try one, Matt. I, honestly, I'm going to get some. I, I can yeah. see they're from Aldi, so I'll go tomorrow when I'm at work. Yeah, just pop in. I've got uh, an. Ins- insatiable hunger for a Nopper's nut bar. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely excited to know your thoughts. Uh, something to look forward to for next week. Uh, but until then, listeners, we have the small matter of the mind, uh, the brain of Morbius to attend to. Um, so, did we get many uh, listener responses? Uh, we got a few. We got fewer than usual mm-hmm. because most people have got the good sense not to watch classic Doctor Who. Of course. But let me just dig these out. So, in fact, we need to address something, David. Yes. Now that we've got to listeners' tweets. Because we were unaware at the time, but last week's listener tweet section was the final one to ever feature the game Was Jane Swift Swift? We are cancelling that section. Are we? Yeah. Why is that? Because I am displeased with James Swift's behaviour this week. <laughs> okay, what's he been up to? Well, I put a message out, just going, oh, this week we're watching Brain of Morbius, blah de blah blah and he just sent a mm-hmm. message straight away going, I haven't seen it, but I just want it to be swift. That's not <laughs> how the game works. That's not in the spirit <laughs> of the games, is it? No. What you got to do is the second you see the tweet, you need to just jump on BritBox, plough through all four episodes, keeping your fingers crossed that nobody gets in in the next couple of hours, and then tweet. Yeah, imagine if you said, we're doing Brain and Morbius, Matt, and I just went, oh, I didn't watch it, I just want it to be on the pod. It's <laughs> not how it works, James Swift. You've got too big for your boots. Okay. <laughs> We won't be doing any more listener theme songs. They're cancelled, right? 
people have. Oh, has he spoiled it for everyone? People now? have overstepped the boundary, and I'm I'm displaced. Oh, you've gone full teacher now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm keeping everyone behind at the end of the lesson to tidy up. And if you want to blame someone, you blame James Swift. Mm. Did did he did he actually watch it in the end? Uh, yeah, he did. He, he did send oh, yeah. us his thoughts. I'll probably read those in a bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. But you, you just watch your back, James Swift. I'm, I've got my eye on you. <laughs> right. First one, then David. Yes. Goes to good James. It's James Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hi, James. Yeah. And. I don't want to say anything else, but James was the first person who replied properly. Let's just leave it at that. Let's say no more. Mm -hmm. He says, it's a fantastic gothic horror. Philip Maddock is brilliant as always. There's some interesting Time Lord mythology added, but not in an in-your-face kind of way. The Sisterhood of Khan are a fantastic addition to the canon and give some much-needed parts for women in this era. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friends over at the Who Can Convince You podcast. Do you want to say hello to those guys, David? Hello. Say, it's superb. Philip Maddock is excellent, as he always is. The story oozes gothic horror and is just acted brilliantly. Dudley score is gorgeous too. Yeah, love a bit of the old Dudley Simpson. You can tell. You can always tell when it's when it's classic Who fans responding, can't you? Because they all say basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, because you know you've kind you've kind of previewed what, uh, a lot of the things I was going to be saying on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Right. We then have a listener who will, for the purposes of this week's show, we'll call Jim Fast, who says, <laughs> "Okay, I have now seen all of it. I really enjoyed it." I haven't watched much of Baker, but this was my third story. However, it was my favourite. It sets up a lot of precedent for things that happen in the reboot with the Sisterhood of Khan. I appreciate the humour, and Tom Baker is brilliant. Yep, I'd agree with all that. Okay, and then the final tweet this week, David. Yes. Okay, it's not Martin McLean, don't worry, he's just, he's just a busy guy. Yep. Okay, it is BT Flibbity Giggard. Alright, I've strapped myself in. Now, before we get there, David. Yes. We got a message midweek from BT Flibbity Giggard saying that they're a massive blondie fan, so if you don't want that mug, stick it in the post. <laughs> uh, if, if you can supply your address, if you want it, it's yours. Okay, so DM David and, you know, we, we just. We just make dreams happen, don't we, David? Yes, indeed. But now I feel guilty because last week we were like, what piece of shit? Who would want this? <laughs> um, I've got my Zelda mug in my bag ready to take to work tomorrow. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Right, so BT Flibbity Giggard, the curator, says, All right, Brain and Morbius. Not one of my personal fave four stories, but it's hard to go wrong with a combination of Liz Sladen and Tom Baker. Brain and Morbius is very typical for this era of the show. Gothic horror vibes, mad scientists, and seemingly throwaway bits like the Sisterhood of Khan that will get uh, lionised once Doctor Who fans who got into the show through this era get their hands on the revived show. Unfortunately, it also has some drawbacks of this era. 
The whole capturing and escaping thing takes up far too much time for my taste, when there's more interesting stuff going on. That being said, this really is Tom Baker at top form, and I say that as someone who's not the biggest Thor fan. He's the complete mm -hmm. alien, effortless, sorry, effortlessly quirky and funny, without the knowing winks at the audience that New Who sometimes overindulges in. The solutions he comes up with are clever as well, using a firework to restore Sisterhood's sacred flame, straight up murdering Solon with cyanide and engaging in a mental battle with Morbius. The mental battle is probably the most iconic bit of this story, and you really get to see the sheer psychic power of the Time Lords as a species. The very real and immediate threat of Morbius and the Doctor's heroism in the face of that overwhelming threat. This is also a story where you can see what see why so many people have Sarah Jane as their favourite companion. She and Tom have wonderful chemistry and she gets her own moments to shine by saving the Doctor from getting burned at the stake. Another reason the psychic battle scene is so well remembered is because of, and I'm going to skip that bit because we'll talk about that later, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 I still find it, nope, hold on. In fact, I'm going to end that there because there's a big bit that we'll probably talk about later. Yeah, cool. So if it's all if it's all to do with the the yeah the the mental battle, battle then, yeah we'll get there yeah we'll get there in good time we will definitely get there <clears throat> but yeah um I, whilst you were reading those I've just been wikiing Philip Maddock just because um people I noticed in the tweets we were saying you know he's great as he always is and I was like that must mean he's been in other Doctor Who stories and I and I and I thought when I was watching it I has I recognised his face but I couldn't think what it was from um. He's actually got four Doctor Who credits to his name. Two second Doctor stories, The Crotons, and a little story called The War Games. Um, and in addition to Brain and Morbius, he did another fourth Doctor story, which was The Power of Kroll. Which I actually watched fairly recently and didn't recognise him in. I guess he, might, he was maybe clean-shaven in it. Which might have uh, been a factor. Um, but anyway, yeah. So there you go. So that that all being said, Matt, what did you think of the brain of Morbius? I I'm I'm going to reinvent our ranking system again. Again, I'm I'm going to create another new rating. Okay, which is this episode is absolutely woeful, but at least it didn't have Patrick Troughton in it. Oh, come off it, Matt. That is pure trolling. That's just how I it... feel. I was watching this and I was like, how is it so bad, yet I've seen so much worse? <laughs> like, there just doesn't seem to be a bottom floor when it comes to Classic Who. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, did you... Did you like did you like any elements of it? Um which bit did I like? Um No, I don't think I did. <laughs> uh, we we might none of, none of the performances. 
Uh, there's one performance in particular I really want to talk about. Thankful, uh, thankfully, okay. it didn't come up in tweets, but yeah. All right. Well, we'll just. And I don't think then, it's I the guess. one you'll be thinking of. No, perhaps not. But uh, all right then. I mean, for what it's worth, I think it's good story, some bad bits. Um, I don't think it's perfect. The main reason I chose it, I kind of teased. Um, last week back it was the the sisterhood of khan link i thought it might be interesting for you to see the origins of the sisterhood of khan you know because yeah. they, they're such a key thing in in sort right. of the well, later moffat series we'll talk about that then because that's the performance okay. i wanted to discuss um, okay what what's her name the lady in the sisterhood of khan is it ahika the 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 young sort of right hand yeah yeah yeah, her, right? Let, let's just... Yes. Let's talk about her. Why does she shout every line? Why is she just like, the doctor approaches... Then she does some weird gang sign with her hands, and she goes, mm-hmm. Morbius is on the rise! It's just like, right, she stood two foot away from you. Mm. Shall I tell you what that performance gives me vibes of? I That, to me, feels like late 60s early 70s experimental theater you know breaking the fourth wall very declarative i think it would go down a storm in a sort of weird black box theater experimental like production of something or other um it's a bit broad for saturday tea time uh, doctor who it's just too shouty like it is quite shouty yeah yeah, it, it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ohika. Interestingly, um, the 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 main lady from from Sister Khan that we see in the New Who is Ohila. Okay. Which makes me wonder. Like, I mean, obviously that's a that that must be intentional on the part of Moffat, but whether he is implying some kind of direct relation or not, I don't know. But yeah. Anyway, um, all right. So I, what you're saying is I failed again. Did you did you like this even less than Robots of Death? Um, I think I'll remember this one more than Ro- yeah. I, I I literally can't remember anything about Robots of Death, David. Can you remember that it had robots in it? Yeah, but I, were they just people that had like gold faces? I mean, kind of. They had, like... It was full suits. Yeah. I, I can't... Really nice design on those robots. But was that not exactly the same? Was that not a criminal mastermind coming back to life? I don't think so. Who was the bad guy in that? I think it was just, like, the, the just the, the sneery guy. Hold on. It's a very sneery guy. Yeah, but was, honest, wasn't I, it I someone find... who was a criminal posing as a scientist or something? Uh, possibly. To be honest, I don't find Robots of Death that memorable either. That was me very much kind of going with the uh, with the, the, the sort of received fan wisdom. This was a slightly more risky choice on my part. Yeah, I, I think I'm it's... just reading the Wikipedia. Sorry, it's... Mm-hmm. It's Dask, who is secretly Taron. Uh, yeah, this is ringing vague bells. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's not get sidetracked with Robots of Death. We've got a lot of Brain of Morbius to get through, so... 
Let, let, let's just get it over with right. at this point, Shane. Before we do, can I set you yep. a mind bender? Of course. Okay. I want you to think about what these things might have in common. Okay? Okay. It's a series of movies I'm going to give you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one, Bugsy Malone. Right. Number two, Rocky. Mm-hmm. Number three, Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. Number four, The Omen. Right. Number five, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Number six, Taxi Driver. Okay. Number seven, The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring David Bowie. And the mm-hmm. final one, All the President's Men. Is the thing that they have in common that I've heard of all of them but have seen none of them? No, the thing they have in common is they were all released in 1976, the same time as this episode, and they're all yes. massively better. <laughs> I don't think that's really a fair comparison, do you, Matt? Well, I don't know. Like, if I was comparing it to The Matrix, that would be unfair, but not a right lot happens in Rocky. Yeah, no, but, but these are all Hollywood film productions... Not BBC um, TV productions. Mm. I just think it's they should have looked yeah, no, around. It's and not a fair comparison. They should have seen Sorry. what was going on in the world rather than just like make this mock. They did. I mean, Hinchcliffe was very much kind of uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, who who was the um, producer during this era, um, was very much inspired by of like hammer horror and things like that that kind of homegrown british gothic horror style which was very popular <laughs> on home shores at the time so they they absolutely were playing into current sensibilities with with stories like this they were just doing it on a shoestring budget with very little pre- preparation time I just think if this is the best you can do, they should have cancelled the show earlier. <laughs> I, I I can't stress enough. I did not enjoy this, David. Mm. Should I tell you who else didn't enjoy it? Um, the writer. Uh, what name have you got written down for the writer there? Oh, I've got three names. Uh, okay, you've already looked it up then. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin Bland is in fact a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it was originally written by Terence Dix and then considerably rewritten by Robert Holmes. Um, and I think... So, I, wonder, I don't know for sure, but I wonder whether Robin Bland is a bit of a dig because neither of them were kind of fully happy with the results. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Why, why didn't they stick with what Uncle Terry wrote? I don't know, to be honest. I'm not sure exactly what the... Uh, Wikipedia would probably tell me. But, uh, let's see. Original script written by Terence Dick, using some of his ideas from the sta- his script of the stage play. Um, my... Ah, oh, sorry. I've accidentally clicked on something else there. I also hate that everyone calls Terence Dick's Uncle Terry. Get a life. <laughs> um, so, yeah... Um, the original script was written by Terence Dix, using some of this his script 
of the stage play Doctor Who and the Daleks in the Seven Keys to Doomsday. To requirement from Hinchcliffe for a story about a human slash robot relationship. However, after delivery, Dix was out of the country when it was decided that the robot core to the story could not be realised under the budget constraints. In excising the character, script editor Robert Holmes had to undertake the substantial rewrites without informing Dix, who could not be contacted. Uh, the robot character was replaced with Solon, who required a different motivation, that of a mad scientist. Dix later said the decision that it was not uh, that it was not original, but it was quote the only one available. Upon his return to the United Kingdom, Dix learnt of the changes and angrily phoned Holmes. Since the work was more Holmes than his own, Dix demanded the removal of his name from credits, saying it could go out under a bland pseudonym. So yeah, it is a bit of a joke there. Mm. Uh, it ended up being the name Robin Bland. So there you go. I mean, we've talked about everything else. We're going to have to talk about this episode, aren't we? I think we are. Let's rattle through the uh, the charmingly hokey plot. Right. So this is The Brain of Morbius from the 3rd to the 24th of January, 1976. Mm -hmm. So, episode one opens with a monster so bad it doesn't look like they've improved at all since the Hartnell years. <laughs> this could you could have said that's the same monster from the rescue and I'd have believed you. Mm. So sure. it's been hunted it's in colour now though. Well, Come yeah, on. it's also been hunted by the problematic character of Kondo. Yes, yeah, okay. So so Kondo is is just your classic Igor type trope, really, isn't he? You know. Yeah, but. Looking at it through a modern lens, I don't think he'd be in any new episodes, would he? Oh, no, absolutely not. You would not do a character like Kondo in that way today. No. He's just a big, muscular brute with the mind of a child. Mm -hmm. That's a... And a big old hook for a hand. Yeah, he's had his arm cut off, but we'll talk about that later. Right. We will. So, Kondo kills the monster. And takes its head back to his boss, Dr. Solon. Mm-hmm. And Solon is mad that it's the head of an insect, not a mammal. And this mm -hmm. is where we first learn we're on Khan. So, so right from the off, Philip Maddock as uh, Solon. He's giving it all he's got, right? That is some prize-winning ham right there. Mm-hmm. Like whether or not you like that style of acting, that's open to debate. But they, you can't deny the amount of effort going in. Like he he's gone all in on on doing this sort of mad scientist character. Yeah, he he's probably one of the better things in this story. I think it, personally because I like that sort of over the top acting when it's the right kind when the script merits it and i think his the script does merit in his case because it's it's got this he's got this very verbose flowery language and you know all the rest of it and what his actions are absolutely insane in this story so i feel like you've got to ham it up with a part like that and mm. I, I i think when when it's done right it can be a real treat and i think it absolutely is in this case it's one of one of my personal highlights of this story well that's it within about 10 minutes i just thought this is just Doctor Who does Frankenstein. Like, 
why Broadly, do we need to, yes. Why do we just need to drag it out with the Doctor walking backwards and forwards, everyone capturing everyone else? Just hurry up. They had, they had best part of two hours to fill that. This is not the best part of two hours. <laughs> this isn't the best part of anything. Right. All right. So okay. the, the Doctor and Sarah Jane arrive. Always good to see yeah. Sarah Jane. It is. Yeah. So I think, three you know what, interestingly, I think you, you have seen Sarah Jane in School Reunion, first episode of Sarah Jane Adventures, um, the K9 and Company pilot. But I think this is your first time actually seeing Sarah Jane in her original run as a companion on Doctor Who. Mm. I think, despite the fact I absolutely hated it at the time, I think mm. I like the idea of older Sarah Jane more than I like the idea of younger Sarah Jane. I like the idea of like an old companion who, in their youth, travelled with the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And... You know, imagine if in like the next series they're just like, oh, this is the Doctor's companion. It's sixty-five-year-old George who travelled with the Doctor. Like that would be an interesting hook. I mean, it's not with Sarah Jane because they just did it to please the fans, didn't they? But yeah, like it. I I was expecting because everyone's like, oh, Sarah Jane's the best. Like, does she do anything in this episode for me to go? Oh, she's brilliant. She goes blind for a bit. And she climbs she on does, some rocks yeah. for a bit. But that's about it. All right, Matt. If you say so. Right. So, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to pick my battles. This is going to be a slog for me. So. I know. I've got three pages of notes. I normally do a page and a bit. So, mm. uh, The Doctor's mad that the Time Lords have taken the TARDIS off course. He says it's because there's some sort of mess that they need to sort out here. Uh, I do like the Doctor immediately just being huffy with the Time Lords. Mm. Just shouting at the sky. So Sarah Jane finds an ejection bubble. It's a space space parachute. And mm -hmm. whilst all this is going on, the Doctor just wants to play with his yo-yo because he's in a huff. Yeah. He's uh, he so hears a loud... Yeah. Yeah, he's in a bit of a myth, isn't he? Mm -hmm. So he hears a scream and Sarah Jane finds the beheaded insect. Um, it turns out that Solon is toying with its head when lightning strikes his lab. Ooh, it's a spooky mm -hmm. gothic setting. Ooh. Okay, so this is the first time we see the Sisterhood of Khan. Yeah. Do you immediately recognise them? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, it, it says early on they're on Khan, and that's the only thing I knew. Oh, yeah, we already established they're on Khan. I can't remember what all of these things happen in. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do think it's a strong costume choice, don't we, that they have, they didn't, like, change it massively for, for the sisterhood in, in Yuhu, um, which I think is a testament to how strong the, the costuming is here. Is is you know, this their only appearance, other than that reappearance for the special? Yeah. So they, this is their only appearance? In in Classic Who, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. All right. 
they're pretty important. I thought they'd be in it a bit more, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, they talk at great length about how they're, you know, they have this close relationship with the Time Lords and, you know, that the, 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 they are basically two cultures that are intertwined. Um, but yeah, it's just the kind of random shit that they would just throw into a story. <laughs> like... Not even a story. It's not like even one writer's particular vision. This is one person that submitted one story, and then a, 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 another one's like, "Oh no, we don't have the budget for that." Massively rewrote it. It's really thrown together. Um, and yeah, they just throw out these big ideas, and maybe someone will pick them up. Maybe they won't. That's yeah. how it used to work. So if we're talking about big ideas, they're worried the elixir yeah. of life would be taken from them because the flame of life is dying. Throw a lot yes. at you pretty soon, don't they? They do, they do. So, they think that the Time Lords have come to steal it. Mm-hmm. And then, back with Dr. Solon, we find out that he took Kondo's arm due to subordination. <laughs> yeah. P- pretty extreme measures, but... Yeah. You, you, you've got to feel a bit sorry for Kondo, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. He's he's not the villain in this story, is he? No, he's like a dog with a horrible master who kicks him, you know. So, Kondo and Dr. Solon let the Doctor and Sarah Jane in from the rain, and Solon has the model of a head of someone the Doctor seems to recognise. Mm-hmm. And it gets a little bit Lionel Richie, where the Doctor's like, places his hands and strokes this... <laughs> head model so they enjoy a little bit of wine together mm-hmm. and whilst this is going on the sisterhood have seen the TARDIS and declare it to be the weapon of their enemy yeah okay so the doctor states after a, a bit of friendliness that he knows who Solon is that he's a biologist that joined the cult of Morbius mm-hmm Okay, I think, is it... Oh, no, sorry, it's later on. Uh, So, Solon is not a fan of the Sisterhood. And Mm -hmm. when the Doctor recognises what's going on, when he recognises the sculpture as Morbius, he's knocked out by the wine. Mm -hmm. Because Morbius is a despicable criminal who was outlawed by the Time Lords. Yes. Does it, do they he actually say to... what he did that was so despicable? Um, he was like a dictator, I think they said. Like he sort of like destroyed and, and conquered planets and stuff like that. And so, yeah, despite being this awful, awful being, still managed to have this sort of command, this this legion of cultish <laughs> devotees. I couldn't help but feel like when they were describing him that it sounded a little bit Trump-esque. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. <laughs> So, yeah, the turns out that Solon wants the Doctor's head. He wants the head of a Time Lord to put Morbius's brain in because Morbius, mm-hmm. it it was like the future version of Hungdron and Quartered, wasn't it? He was like uh, shot all over the universe, like in mm-hmm. bits. Wasn't yeah, just it? atoms dispersed, but somehow Solon managed to preserve his brain so yeah yeah do we get the reveal here i forget when we first see it 
Uh, like so, in situ. Yeah, so Sarah Jane awakens and escapes, and episode one ends with the Doctor disappearing and Sarah Jane mm-hmm. seeing the headless insect body reanimated. Oh, it's a yeah. cliffhanger and a half. That's episode one. Yeah. Okay. Tick. So, uh, at this point, were you already like, I hate this? Or were you still kind of like, okay, let's see where this goes? Um, I, was, I watched one episode a day for four days. Because I was like, I don't oh, think well, I can bless do... you for doing that, at least. I was like, I don't think I can watch this all in one sitting. Well, it's right. not recommended. It's not how I do it. No. So, I... I... I don't know. I, I usually tend to know pretty early on if an episode's for me or not. And mm-hmm. with this, I was just like, I mean, no one, no one seems happy to say it, so I'll say it. Old Doctor Who isn't very good, and I know, I know people are like, oh, it's great. You have to watch it, like to understand. No, New Who's so much better. Like, yeah, look, look what, what have we watched I'll, I'll... from Classic Who? that has been good. And when I say good, I don't mean, like, funny laughing at it. Like, I enjoyed the uh, the rescue. I wouldn't say it was good. You know, probably mm-hmm. my favourite is that one we watched with Pertwee, but I just thought that was funny because he was rolling around in a wheelchair all the time. Like, <laughs> like it's just not very good. <laughs> and it's a different beast. It's a different beast. It's a product of a different time. Um, and it is not without its flaws. Um, what I will say is I think you'd be hard-pressed to find fans of Classic Who these days who aren't also fans of the trivia and the production history, the sort of people who like to know how the sausage is made a bit. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think that's part of the appeal. It's certainly part of the appeal for me is that it, it's this show with such a long history and that is so well documented that, you know, that provides an extra layer of fascination on top of the story itself. Do you, do you think there are people out there that do rewatches of Coronation Street? Like, that's been Britain's longest-running TV programme, hasn't it? But, like, even yeah, today, I saw I someone on Twitter like, oh, I'm going to do a rewatch of Doctor Who from the beginning. Why? What is the point? <laughs> Something to do, like, isn't it? Save, save yourself the time. Just skip to Eccleston. I mean, watch the film if you want. <laughs> but, like... No. Uh, I, I can't even think what the best classic Who we've watched is. Probably that one with Eccleston... With, not with Eccleston, with Pertwee. That's the one I remember as being quite good. Did you not enjoy in Enlightenment? Enlightenment's a personal favourite of mine. Which one's That's Enlightenment? Fifth Doctor. Fifth Doctor, ships in space. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> I genuinely really like that one. Was that the one with the bloody Black Guardian and all that crap? Yeah. Yeah. No! That one. No! Okay. <laughs> Alright then. <laughs> Should we do right. episode two? Yeah. Suppose we'd better. <laughs> right. Solon and Kondo reappear and realise the Doctor's gone and Solon suspects the Sisterhood. Do you know why he suspects the Sisterhood, David? 
Why? Because they're the only other people on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fair. You know, I get on all right with my next door neighbour, but if they were the only people on Earth, I think we'd fall out from time to time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, especially if I was trying to go to bed and all night they were just going, Sacred Flame. Secret. Just shut up. Yeah, that, all right. That gets a bit old, doesn't it? That and it's clearly it's clearly not working because the fire's going out. <laughs> Try something new. <sighs> Christ, uh... right? So Solon swears vengeance. Sarah Jane spies this whole conversation and works out Solon is a pretty bad guy. The Sisterhood pressed the Doctor for a confession uh, that he intends to steal the potion or the elixir. And when he professes his innocence, they say they'll kill him. Okay. You've got to, got to admit, Tom Baker's good in this scene. He's so flippant. Right, but this is... You know, he's tied to a stake and he's just cracking jokes. No, but this is, this is like bloody James Bond, right? There are sad acts mm-hmm. out there who are like, oh, I love James Bond. He's so cool. I wish I could say one-liners like that. Imagine spending any length of time with James Bond. <laughs> I'm not saying I would want to be mates with the fourth Doctor. What I'm saying is Tom Baker is, is puts in a good performance here. I know exactly what you, what you mean, Matt. Like, it would be exhausting. You know, they're trying Especially to kill him, but he's, Rod, he's just Roger like, Moore oh, James Bond. It isn't the first time a lady's handled me like this. Shut up. <laughs> Just, no. Uh, no. I don't so like you, it. <laughs> right. are, you, are you saying, like, are, are you, you're still not won over by Tom Baker in this story then? No. The best thing I've seen Tom Baker in are those computer adverts. <laughs> those are pretty good. Or that one where fair. he swears at K9 for being not very helpful. Yeah. Right? He's good in that episode of Blackadder as well. Yeah. Um, he's pretty good as the curator, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. That I would say that is Tom Baker's greatest contribution to Doctor Who. <laughs> the role of the curator. Right, so um, the Doctor yeah, says on, he's felt the mind of Morbius when he saw the model. Morbius is alive. And this is all happening whilst they're preparing his funeral pyre and he implores that they reconsider. Okay, So the sisters tell him that the sacred flame's dying and there's no elixir without it. So we get a little mention of Pompeii. That's good. We do. Bit of foreshadowing. 50 (laughs) years in advance. Um, Solemn intervenes. And I thought the Sisterhood had killed Kondo, but they don't. They just knock him out. So, Solemn offers Kondo in the Doctor's place because Solemn really wants the Doctor's head. And he's not that fussed about Kondo. Yeah. So, um, everyone's getting It's bad negotiation tactics, isn't it? Like, Like, he's being very, very upfront about exactly what he wants and how desperate he is to, to bargain for it. Yeah. And Kondo's not best pleased that his life's been offered <laughs> like as payment. No. So they start the ritual to kill the Doctor, and as soon as they do, he just escapes really easily because one of the sisters is Sarah Jane in disguise. 
Yeah. And what a disguise. She puts a tea towel over her face. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, well, she gets away with it. Yeah. They're too busy chanting. They're not paying attention. Yeah, so... Solemn offers Kondo his missing arm back. He says, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I offered your life. Please don't hurt me. I'll get you your arm back. So, like, Kondo's story is all based around this wanting his arm back, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, How many times must Kondo have heard that? You know, like, oh, no, I I, I know it's my turn to do the washing up, Kondo, but trust me, if you you just do me this one favour... I'll, I'll get your arm back on in a jiffy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Plus, how... They're such strange bedfellows. How did they come to be? Like, if... Say Solemn's already on that planet and Kondo lands mm-hmm. there. If your option was to live with the Sisterhood or Solemn, I don't think I'd be staying at his house anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea what the origin story is there of, of, of Kondo and, and, and Solon, but if I had to put money on it, Big Finish have probably done a 12-disc box set yeah. fleshing that out. So, you know, the option's there if you need it, listeners. Right. Sarah Jane is blind now. Yeah. And whilst blind, she overhears Solon talking to an unseen Morbius. Yeah, I've totally forgotten about the whole Sarah Jane goes blind for a bit subplot. It kind of reminds me of uh, Series 10 that we've just watched. Yeah. The Doctor goes blind for a bit and then he gets better. Yeah, but Doctor with that... Just, that's that... the thing about not committing with these, these ideas, it seems. Yeah, but with that, that was like a story arc. With this, like you say, it's like we've got to fill two hours to make her blind for 20 minutes. Just throw that in there. Yeah. So, when the Doctor and Sarah Jane arrive to talk to Solon, uh, he offers them some wine again. And yeah. the Doctor's like, oh, fool me once, fool me twice. I ain't having no wine. So, he wants Solon to observe Sarah Jane's blindness, so they all go to his lab. Whilst this mm-hmm. is happening, the Sisterhood swear vengeance on the Doctor... Again, just because there's no one else on the planet to swear vengeance on. So they... Yeah, this is the most interesting thing that's happened to anyone on this planet for about 30 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> imagine a whole civilization just based on swearing vengeance on one another. <laughs> yeah, and like, you've got to think about it. the Sisterhood of Khan. Their whole thing is about this, that they have, like, eternal life, right? They've got this this elixir, but imagine just being stuck there on this desolate rock with nobody for company other than a mad scientist who doesn't like you. (laughs) Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I hope they've got some board games or something. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're not seen to do anything other than chant. (laughs) Yeah, it seems pretty, uh, pretty grim. As existences go. Right, so whilst in the lab, the Doctor sees a headless creature. And it turns out Sarah Jane is permanently blind without the elixir. And again, Mm -hmm. she hears Morbius call Solon. And would you believe it, it's just a big brain in a jar. Yeah, classic brain in a jar. 
See, again, I don't know if it's because we talked about it at the time, but the way Spearhead from Space was shot. But that just looked so much better than this. This just looked cheap and rubbish. It looked like something yeah, no, out of like does. Garth Marangi, where they, if they were intentionally trying to make it look crap, it would look like this. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's just down to... I mean, Spearhead, you had a production team coming in who had a bit to prove. Um, at this point, we're, we're, we're kind of like towards the end of Tom Baker's second season. Everyone's very settled. I imagine this probably was like on on the on the docket as one of the cheaper stories they had for the series. You know, there aren't masses of special effects and things like that to do. So yeah, I imagine they were probably just like, Great, we get to do this one on the cheap. And yeah, you can tell there are corners cut. The whole thing takes place in about three sets. Yeah. And they they all look pretty thrown together. Yeah. This this is just a pantomime, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right, on to episode three. Halfway through. Yeah. So, the brain thinks Sarah Jane is from the Sisterhood and has been sent to kill him. But mm. Solemn intervenes and talks to Morbius. Sarah Jane overhears and realises that the brain is Morbius. And Morbius mm -hmm. is absolutely furious. He's not a man again yet. Just beggars... He's just... Yeah, no, go on. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> if your brain got shot across the universe and someone was like, oh, I'll, I'll help you, a bit of patience wouldn't go amiss, would it? <laughs> to be fair, it does sound like it's potentially been a very long time that he's been stuck in that jar. Um... Yeah, but you can but see yeah, he's trying. I mean, he's cut his best mate's arm off, for heaven's sake. But, I mean, Morbius just doesn't... He doesn't really have a volume control, does he? He's just shouting and furious the entire time. Yeah. Maybe that's why the Time Lords killed him, just because he was a bit of a tool. <laughs> you know, everything, you know, when they're serving up dinner, he's like, I should be first, why aren't I first? Oh, God, can we not blast him across the universe? <laughs> I think that was his greatest crime, being a total pain in the neck. Mm, right. Yes, indeed. So, Sarah Jane locks Solomon in the room with Morbius, and the Sisterhood, well, one of the Sisterhood drinks the Elixir of Eternal Life, and now there's none left. Yeah. Marin, the head of the Sisterhood, discovers that the Doctor is returning. And in fact, this is the one bit I liked. Just where he oh, walks okay. into their cave and he goes, Ding dong! <laughs> Come on, Tom Baker is good yeah. at this. He's having fun. Is he... Yeah, yeah, but it, not, none of this would work if if Tom Baker wasn't having a good time. Yeah, but if I was having fun at work, just doing what I wanted, I'd get sacked, David. <laughs> <laughs> He's more or less following the script, though. No. He's basically doing his job. Right. Kondo returns to Solon, and the Sisterhood tell the Doctor... 
that Sarah Jane isn't blind at all. It's only temporary and she'll get better. <laughs> yeah, that's handy, isn't it? Yeah. Like I say, this is just... You could cut this third episode out because it's just everyone walking backwards and forwards for no reason at all. I, I mean, you, you couldn't cut it out, though, because they, they, they had... You know, they couldn't have just had a blank TV screen for half an hour one week. I know, but do you know... They've got, they've you know, got to fill it with Doctor Who. Where sometimes, like... When, when we were young, TV programmes would end, like, five minutes early, and they'd just put a quick little three-minute Tom and Jerry cartoon in. That's what I'd do here. <laughs> just cut this yeah. episode... And it was just like, in fact, I'd get Tom Baker to, you know, announce to the nation, just say, look, I'm really sorry. It's not very good. Here's Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I think most kids would have accepted that. I, I would literally have rather looked at that BBC placeholder card where it's the girl playing knots and crosses with Humpty Dumpty for 25 minutes than watch this. <laughs> With a bit of smooth jazz underneath. Yeah. Is Seafax yeah. still a thing? When they used to put that on overnight. I'd have watched that instead. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. I was <laughs> genuinely... I went down a bit of a YouTube hole the other day and I did end up watching quite a lot of like footage from like taken from a VHS tape. Like vintage Seafax pages. Oh, really? Yeah. I just I can't remember how I got onto it now, but uh, yeah, I went down it, it, a once YouTube it started, rabbit. I was just I was just kind of transfixed. I watched a whole episode of The Big Breakfast on YouTube recently. <laughs> wow! And it was about three hours long. Yeah. It was seven o'clock. T- yeah, no, it must have been two hours. Seven till nine, I think. Um, I can't remember. I watched a bit of TFI Friday. I've I've been watching it all. Uh, nostalgia is weird, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the Doctor tells them Morbius is alive right under their nose. This is where I've written, I don't like the Sisterhood of Khan girl, mm-hmm. O'Hila, that keeps shouting all the time. Yeah. Sarah Jane is messing about on some rocks. Kondo grabs her. Mm-hmm. And, again, a little bit uncomfortable with, you know... Where he's like, oh, I like you. Yeah. But he says it in a really creepy way. Yeah. Uh, and he picks her up and carries her away. Yeah, it's it's that classic monster movie trope, isn't it? Of, you know, the, the Beauty and the Beast thing. King Kong. Mm. That, that, whole, that whole business. It's a little bit tiresome, a little bit unnecessary. So, the Doctor wants to deduce what's wrong with the sacred flame. So, he makes it go out and is sentenced to death again. Another reoccurring mm-hmm. theme, everyone just sentenced to death. <laughs> uh, and it turns out... To be fair, that, that is a typical Tuesday for the Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Turns out, it was just soot. Uh, they just needed a little chimney sweep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think, does he use, like, flash paper to reignite it? I think so. Something like that. Maybe just a match. I can't. I can't remember. Meanwhile, Solon ties up Sarah Jane and realizes the Sisterhood will not send the Doctor's head. 
So mm-hmm. Morbius is now even more furious than ever when he realises the Doctors are here. That means the Time Lords know he's alive. And he asks Solon to move him. Okay. He says, maybe in the brainless, in the headless body, sorry, because they've got a brain case. Mm. It causes pain when they put him in it, but they choose to do it anyway. Yeah. Kondo sees his arm on the body. It's intended for Morbius. So Solon just shoots him. <laughs> Poor old Kondo. Yeah. Poor old Kondo. Uh, yeah. We haven't really discussed the, the Morbius's body, have we? What did you think? Go on, sorry. Uh, Morbius's body. What did you think of it? You know, big old crab claw and all no, of that. We're getting there. Don't worry. We we will get there. Okay. We will get there. All right. All right. Okay. I'll 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 back off that for the moment. Okay. Then Morbius's brain just drips onto the floor. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know, it's like the five second rule with your food. They just pick it up and like scoop it together. <laughs> to be fair, Solon seems annoyed. Yeah. After all his work, he spent all this time and he just drops it on the floor. (laughs) So, uh, Sarah Jane is threatened. He says, I'll kill you if you don't uh, help me. And then in my notes, I've just Mm -hmm. put, I think Kondo might be okay. Um, Yeah. So, the Sisterhood approach with the Doctor on a stretcher. And as they do, Mobius twitches into life. And then I've put, this looks absolutely shocking <laughs> and not in a good way. So they, they've basically yeah. like uh, wrapped him in a sheepskin blanket. He's got one arm popping out of it. Yeah. And the head is just two mixing bowls from the kitchen glued together with trumpets on it. <laughs> I love the eye trumpets. I did not enjoy. Yeah, no, it's the eye trumpets that make it for me. And and also, obviously, as, as we, we talked about, big old crab claw. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, want, I, I, I don't know for a fact. I wonder if that's... I wonder if it's a leftover macro claw. Yeah. Just used for choking. I was hoping you'd use it like a proper yeah. cla- crab and, like, you know, some heads would explode when it, like... Vice grips them. But no, it's just a good old choking I mean, claw. That would have required a, a special effects budget far beyond yeah, what they were capable true. of. True. Right. Mercifully, we're into the final episode. Yeah. Episode four. Sarah Jane can see again. And she Hooray. knocks over a Bunsen burner. So Morbius is on fire. Now... I worried about the actor because I'm certain that'll all be like nylon and plastic that he's like <laughs> yeah. rolling around in. Yeah. So it probably melted to his skin, poor soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solemn runs off and Sarah Jane reunites with the Doctor. Yeah. Morbius sees himself as a freak, then attacks Solemn and then attacks the Doctor. Yeah. And I was but... pretty convinced Solemn was dead at that point because he just like just crumples on the floor and you're like, oh. Maybe that's that then. Yeah, but it's one of those where nothing in this... None of the weapons are set to kill, are they? It's all set to stun. Yeah. Except for one bit later. Like I say... Well, yeah. 
Yeah, we'll get to that. That's though. how you know he's dead because there's like a ten minute scene. <laughs> yeah. So Morbius attacks Solemn, then he mm-hmm. attacks the Doctor. Yeah. Then Kondo saves Sarah Jane from the attack, mm-hmm. fights Morbius, and dies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I've written this bit, I underlined this, and I've just put Morbius is a bit of a loose unit, isn't he, mate? <laughs> he he sure is. He's just off on one. Like, yeah. You know, he's gone from being, oh, I'm evil, I'm a dictator, you know, quite clever, to just being like, I'm an absolute nutter. I mean, it, it does get addressed in the text later, but I don't think we've had the explanation yet, have we, for why he's just rampaging. Mm. So, Solemn makes a dark gun. Mm-hmm. The Doctor confronts Solemn whilst Morbius starts killing the Sisterhood. Yeah. Then Solemn shoots Morbius. Yeah. When he attacks the Doctor. Like, there's so many moving parts here. It's absolutely mental. <laughs> yeah. Then Morbius is knocked out from the gun. Mm-hmm. Because it was a tranquilizer gun. Yeah. Yeah. They call it a stun gun. And it's like and it's... they've heard the word stun gun, but they don't really know what one is. It might be mean a different thing in space. Yeah, because the Doctor goes, oh, I see a stun gun. That is not <laughs> what a stun gun is. Right, so the Doctor intends to end Morbius again. He wants to detach his brain and return it to the Time Lords. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Sisterhood now learn Morbius is back, despite the Doctor telling them it for an hour. Yeah. And Solemn tells the Doctor that he will be the one to kill Morbius. Of course, we all know that is not what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, reading this back, I, I can't... I couldn't remember how mad this is. It's just everyone shouting and locking each other in rooms. It is. Right. It's basically, if you took away the sort of gothic horror, horror and science fiction elements, you've essentially got like a 1970s bedroom farce going on here. It's just a load of people yeah. just chasing like, each other oh, around, well, hiding, getting yeah, knocked out. You swore vengeance on me, so I'm going to lock you in a room. <laughs> Well, you locked me in a room, so I swear vengeance on you, sir. And it just goes in circles. <laughs> right. So the Doctor talks to Sarah Jane for a bit. They get locked in a room. Mm-hmm. We get a mention of the sonic screwdriver, but it's on the TARDIS. Yeah, back when the sonic screwdriver can... wasn't just a magic wand being waved around every five minutes. Hmm. Ahika says she wants to lead the sisterhood. And the Doctor has an idea. He and Sarah Jane do chemistry. And I've put an exclamation mark next to the Doctor has an idea. Because I think they're just talking. And he just goes, yes, yes, yes. I have an idea. <laughs> like, it, it was really jarring mm-hmm. when he says it. Yeah. And his idea is to uh, murder Solomon. So they Solomon. do a little bit of chemistry. Go on, sorry. I said, his, so his idea is to murder Sodden. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Let's be clear. You know, it's as if the penny's finally dropped. And like, you know, we've got one way out of this and there's going to be blood on our hands. <laughs> yeah, but the Doctor's a pacifist, so, don't yeah. forget. Yeah, but also, they create cyanide gas. Yeah. But it seems to only travel in one direction, which is exactly where they want it to go. Well, it's it's like an a, a dispense, uh, like an air, 
duct thing, isn't it, that they pop it into? Yeah, and I know he tells Sarah Jane to stand back, but I'm not sure. It's mm. like back in the 90s when you used to go to Pizza Hut and they had a smoking and a non-smoking <laughs> section, <laughs> but they were just next to each other. <laughs> yeah, it's not the most effective system. God, smoking yeah, in like restaurants. How does the smoke know? That, that yeah. was so weird that that was a thing when we were kids. Isn't it? Well, I, I remember, like I say, I, I can't remember if it was Pizza Hut, but that was definitely one that did have smoking and non-smoking. Yeah. And me and my friends always used to say smoking because there was always room. If you said non-smoking, you always had to wait for right. a table. Yeah, makes sense. So, so we always used to sit in the smoke. It's probably why I've got the lung capacity of a toddler these days. <laughs> <laughs> like horrendous asthma. Um, yeah. yeah. Definitely not the cigars before bed. Definitely not that, no. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, so, yeah, they gas Solon and Morbius, and it kills Solon, but Morbius rises because he's got mm-hmm. weird lungs from whatever body it is they've put his brain in. Yeah. So. The Sisterhood approach as Morbius faces the Doctor and the Doctor proposes a mind-bending contest. Here we go. Yeah. It's like when little kids play wizards. They just stand opposite each other like going... Imagine if you've tuned in... You've watched all three weeks and you're like, this is it. The Doctor's going to fight Morbius and this is what it, they deliver. Yeah. They just put, some, put their heads on some scaffolding and look at each other for a bit. Oh, come on. There's slightly more happens than that, Matt. Right. Well, we, we see up on the screen yes. some pictures of the Doctor. Yeah. And it goes back and it goes, you know... Uh, Pertwee, yeah. then Troughton, yeah, and then Hartnell. Right? Yeah. Then there's some other faces. Yes. Is it not just possible that that was um, Morbius? Well, I know everyone's like going, "Oh, it's the Doctor before he was the Doctor." Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily. They don't explicitly say that. They don't, and so this is this was the debate that raged rages within fandom. For decades thereafter, um, so because obviously a lot of people weren't happy with the idea of there being doctors before the first doctor because they were already within fandom calling him the first doctor, um, and uh, but in recent times, Philip Hinchcliffe, the the, the producer has basically gone on the record about this scene and said, oh, yeah, no, they were totally supposed to be the Doctor. <laughs> and the, and their original plan was to have, like, headshots of loads of famous actors, but then, uh-huh. like, someone else in the BBC basically rang him up and said, no, you can't do that, that would cost us a load of money because of equity rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they basically had this mad scramble. Literally, they had about, like, half a day to get some photos sorted for the sequence. So they just went around just rounding up anyone they could. I've got the list here if you're curious. Go on. 
so you uh, the doctor's previous faces almost all portrayed by members of doctor who crew who worked on this serial or the following serial the seeds of doom production unit manager george galatio script editor robert, robert holmes production assistant graham harper who obviously would then go on to direct uh both uh classic who and new who you know okay. Which is pretty cool claim to fame. Uh, director Douglas Canfield, producer Philip Hinchcliffe, production assistant Christopher Baker, uh, who is the exception as he had no credits on Doctor Who. Uh, writer Robert Banks Stewart and director for Christa ba- uh, director Christopher Barry. So they basically just rounded up all these blokes, just shoved them in any sort of like vaguely unusual hat or whatever they could find. Um, and yeah, just snap those photos and use them for that sequence. But th- yeah, because it's not explicitly stated in the story, there's been this intense debate over, oh, are they previous incarnations of the Doctor? Or are they, um, you know, are, are they Morbius? Mm-hmm. What, so your headcanon, your preferred headcanon would be that they're not the Doctor? Because no, obviously that Morbius. Yeah, I mean it, uh, the thing is, it can when when you consider the 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 thirteen regenerations rule, it it really becomes a problem, doesn't it? <laughs> to, to think that there were like yeah. eight versions of the Doctor prior to Hartnell, it just doesn't add up at all. Like, uh, yeah, I mean it's entirely possible that there were Doctors before the Doctor. But if they're going to do it, don't do it like this. (laughs) It's so throwaway, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Philip Hinchcliffe said in that interview that I was was reading uh, a while ago, um, that basically, yeah, oh, yeah, we just didn't think about it at all. Like, we... (laughs) they, they, They really were just thinking, like, week to week... What can we do this week to entertain kids for half an hour? <laughs> they were not. They yeah. didn't think about the implications of what they were putting on screen at all. Um, yeah. But now, I, 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 like, I know that people will go, "Oh no, it is the Doctor." Bloody, bloody, blah. Let's write some fan fiction. It's not right. You're Let's saying definitively just now. Be adults about this, okay? <laughs> yeah. So just to, just to be clear, line in the sand, definitively. That you're saying that's Morbius, not the Doctor. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Just glad we got that on record. Um, until we get five series in the future, and it comes back, and it's like, hey, remember me? I'm Christopher <laughs> Barry, the Doctor. <laughs> David, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I wonder why you showed me the tenth planet. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting wise to your ways. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, let's, let's move on, to? shall we? Right. So they have a little time-bending contest. Uh, the Doctor faints and Morbius runs off. Yeah. He only runs as far as the edge of a cliff where the sisterhood just knock him off and it looks awful. Do you know what it made me think of? Do you remember that? Uh, Wiley Coyote. Sh- nah, it's that shot in, in New Earth 
with the cat nurse falling down a lift shaft. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, to be fair to them, it's about on par with that effect. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you, that's you a, were that's saying how... That's how... That's yeah. not praise for this. Well, that's, no, not at all. But that's the thing. Like, you're saying, oh, New Who's so much better. Is it really bad? Is it really better than this? <laughs> On balance. Yeah, well. Right. Then we get the, the grand conclusion. Yeah. The, the sisterhood give the doctor some elixir to save him. Uh, there's not enough for the old high one of the sisterhood, so she dies. So, in a moment of respect for her passing, mm -hmm. there's a solemn moment where the doctor and Sarah Jane... Just get in the TARDIS, piss off, and leave immediately. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, that's how the fourth Doctor rolled, to be fair. Yeah. Save the world, and then get out of Dodge. Yeah. So there you go. That's it. Yeah. Um, Brain and Morpheus. Um, yeah. No, I've not convinced you that the fourth Doctor's a good incarnation, then? No. I was thinking about, like, my... My rankings of the classic Doctors. Mm. And it is still Pertwee at the top. Yeah. I, I've moved Pertwee to the top. I can't remember who who has held that top position. But from now on, it's Pertwee. Yeah. Uh, in joint second place, it's everyone except for Troughton. And in last place, it's Patrick Troughton. Shocking. Mm. You show me a good Troughton story and he could move up, David, but we we haven't been there yet. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe next time we just gotta gotta bite the bullet and do the war games. Yeah. But if, it, if it's not good, David <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing, it, it could go one or two ways. Either if it it would convince you or you'd just feel like you're being held hostage for ten episodes. <laughs> yeah. When we get back round, if you're like, oh, when we're due to watch the second Doctor, instead we're going to watch, uh, let's watch Torchwood again and just skip it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's that's a ways off, isn't it? Before we get there, Matt, um, we've got the small matter of the uh, the Jodie Whittaker era <laughs> to tackle. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking yeah. forward to like a big, fresh, new change. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. And we're going to be talking about an incumbent doctor. Mm. Which is, yeah, n never happened before. It's going to be really exciting. Um, so do join us, listeners, next week when we will be discussing the woman who fell to earth. No, no thoughts on that whatsoever, Matt? Oh, sorry, I thought your audio would cut out there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Um, so, yeah, um, obviously, it, you, you you referenced earlier The Man Who Fell to Earth, the David Bowie film, which I really should get around to watching one day. Um, I'm pretty sure that title is a conscious reference to that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What, 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 what one thing would you say you're most excited about with um, getting into the, the Jodie Whittaker era? Her new showrunner. I just want to see something different. Mm. You know, I, 
I've seen a few different doctors, and yes, I've seen two showrunners. Yeah. But I'm looking for something. You know, if you think about the jump from the end of the RTD era to the end of the Moffat era, I'd mm. like to see a jump on that scale again. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to say what exactly you're going to be getting into, but I definitely think you will feel that. This this does not... Mm. It, it will not feel like same old, same old. And that's exciting. So, um, yeah, do join us for that, listeners. But until then, as always, thank you so much for listening. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.